And we are live. Thanks for being with us here this early morning podcast session. Stefan Maia with you. AddedSouls.com is the website. And uh, East Coast Church of Christ.com is our website for um, hopefully you checking that out. Yeah. So we're going to talk about uh, Genesis chapter 20. That's what we're going to be studying this morning as we continue throughout the book of Genesis. Um Last we were there, you can check out in the archived video section, of course, we were checking out the um, uh, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah account, right? The Doom of Sodom over in chapter 19. So in this session, this morning, we're going to be looking into chapter 20, and Abraham's treachery is uh, the title there. And so we'll read through the scriptures, and uh, we'll just have ourselves... Uh, conversation, if you will, about what's taking place. A bit of housekeeping, by all means, please subscribe to the channel if you like uh, this kind of content. If uh, you find a spiritual benefit to this kind of content, consider subscribing, giving a rumble, like, share, comment, interact with the content, all that kind of good stuff. It helps us move forward. Please consider also signing up to addedsouls.locals.com. It's free to do so, and once you're there, you can certainly choose to support the Added Souls Ministry, through the Maya family, and the mission work we're involved in here on the East Coast of Canada. I myself being a minister for the East Coast Church of Christ in Moncton, New Brunswick, Canada. Again, you can check that website out, eastcoastchurchofchrist.com. You can find us also on Facebook. We have a Facebook page there, East Coast Church of Christ. That good? Okay, let's get into it. Genesis chapter 20, uh, and... Uh, yeah, we'll take a look at what's taking place there. It's been obviously a wild ride, quite the journey thus far in the things taking place within humanity. Obviously, throughout the doom of Sodom and what had gotten so wicked there and perverse, uh, God had to judge, and uh, Lot uh, made it out, and his daughters, and of course, they go ahead and do stuff they're not supposed to be doing, and you'll find that all in chapter 19. But in chapter 20, and I, of course, encourage everyone to read through the scriptures. Uh, and if you have any questions, if there's anything I can help you out with, um, by all means, send me uh, an email, contact me, and um, I'll do my best to answer. I'm not saying I have all the answers, but I, I will give you my word that I will look for the answers uh, with you and uh, help you as best as I can. So, yeah. In chapter 20, uh, Abraham's treachery is kind of what's titled there uh, in the chapter, and that, of course, is not inspired or anything. It's just what they call the theme of the chapter. Some of them, sometimes they get it right, sometimes they get it wrong. But in all instances, we're going to look at that. I'm going to put it up on the screen here so that we can read together. Oh, let me see here. I have to activate it, don't I? Yeah, there we go. Okay. I'm going to put my video feed at the bottom left so I can follow along with you. There we go. Now, Abraham journeyed from there toward the land of the um, south country. Okay, the Negev, the south country, and settled between Kadesh and Shur. Then he sojourned in Gerar. Strange names for you and I in the Western world. <laughs> Over here in Canada, um, <laughs> all the names of everything here is either uh, native or of some kind of Catholic priest or something along those lines. It's either you're either going to be in St. Mary or St. Paul. Or you're going to be somewhere it's called Nguak or Rishabuktu or, you know, it's, it's it's either a native name or some kind of a Catholic, uh, quote-unquote, saint or priest or whatever. Uh, but um, when we're looking at the geographical location and time and era of this uh, this history, uh, Abraham sojourned uh, from there toward the land of the south country and settled between Kadesh and Shur. There, then he sojourned in Gerar. And if we'd be having in-depth studies in a class format, uh, uh, not through this kind of podcast session format, of course, we look into the uh, um, the precise locations as best we can. Sometimes we can, sometimes we can't, depending on how, uh, how much of history has allowed us to uh, recognize a certain location and stuff like that. But anyways, Abraham, in verse 2, said to Sarah, or said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. So Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. Now, this is, 
This sounds familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> where, where, where have we read something like this? Let me see now. We studied this one, and you can look in the archives, uh, the videos uh, archives um, on this channel, and uh, you'll know we, we, we've gone through this before. Uh, where was it now? Uh, which chapter was it? Uh, was it chapter? Let me see. Now I just I want to find it. Chapter 12, I believe. Yeah, chapter 12. When they went, when Abraham went, when Abram went to uh, Egypt, remember, and the Pharaoh and everything, and he told told them that uh, his wife was his sister because he feared that they might want to uh, execute him or murder him in some way and um, steal his wife. So he thought, well, let's just tell him you're my sister, and that way he won't kill us. Uh, so it kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? Over here in chapter 20 now, from chapter 12 to chapter 20, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> Enough time has passed that the human mind has uh, quickly forgotten uh, that they should not do what they did the first time around. It didn't work out very well. There were some consequences. And now what? You're going to try this again? It's kind of like uh, putting your hand to the fire and be like, oh, that burnt me. That burnt me. Now I got scars. And a few years later, oh, there's the fire again. I need to touch that. Uh, touching the fire. Hey! Why did that burn again? Oh, we human beings, right? We're so fragile. <laughs> We're so brittle. We break so easily. So here Abraham uh, finds himself once again in this uh, witnessed and recorded account by the penmanship, of course, of Moses, who is an inspired writer. Uh, uh, she is my sister, he says, to uh, this king here, King Abimelech, because... He sojourned to Gerar, and that is a location in a land in which there is a king. And one must, of course, have interaction with this king, and Abraham says, well, she's my sister. So, obviously, the king, seeing how beautiful she was, took her. Took Sarah. I mean, again, like, we have this kind of, um, we have to dis we have to repent from change our mind from the thought that because Abraham was a man of God, right? Okay, he's a prophet. Um, somehow he's, so, now, now he's uh, no longer human, but he's like demigod, you know? Because he's God's chosen voice or pro prophet, you know, descendants will come to Abraham. All this stuff going to take place with Abraham. So Abraham somehow is not a human being. He's He's transcended. He's He's evolved, quote-unquote, into some kind of a demigod. And he's incapable of reasoning like us mere mortals. Uh, and I know that because I've taught classes in many congregations, in many congregations of our Lord's Church, with a great many Christians who, like me beforehand as well, I'm not speaking as one who was born enlightened or anything. No, I have to study this stuff. You know, I have to put the boots to the ground. You kind of put your head to the book and you study, you look at words, you look at context, all that kind of stuff. And I've taught many classes throughout the decade plus. And many Christians get offended. Like, how dare you picture Abraham as just a mere human, like one of us who would make a mistake or sin or do these things. I'm like, <laughs> what did you... Where do you find in the Bible that Abraham somehow transcended into a more powerful entity? Like he's no longer human. Like he is human, but he's now demigod status. Like he's he's almost there. He's going to make it one day to be God himself. Like, I mean, where do you... Because he's written in the Bible? Because God saw him as one of his prophets? Like, I mean, what's, what's the criteria that no longer makes him human and capable of human behavior? which is to choose to sin, which is to choose to uh, to allow fear to conquer his thoughts instead of God governing his pathway forward. Like, I mean, what... We have to truly repent of that. Now, let's not make him out to be trash or some subpar human or anything like that. He's just a man. He's a man. He's a man of God. He's a believer in God, is he not? He's a prophet. He, he, I mean, his name was going, and his ancestry, like the like, like the sands of the ocean. I mean, we're, we're going to be numerous. I mean, till this day, you have individuals who still think they have lineage to Abraham. Okay, like I mean, his name is known, but that does not remove him with his humanity. Abraham's a human being. 
this is a bit of an excursion, but I needed to I need to drill that home. Like, I mean, he's a human. He's going to choose to make bad decisions that have great consequences. Okay? That doesn't mean that God hates him and God's gonna discard him. While Abraham still has the heart to repent, to change, to think, to to have independent accountability towards God with the intellectual capability to obey or disobey, God's going to be there for him in this very uh, uh, genesis of our human history. And uh, it's important for us to know that he can certainly choose to make a (laughs) sin, deceive people, lie, make a mistake, whatever it is, uh, be unwise in his reasoning, you know, all that kind of stuff. He's a human being. Whatever you and I are capable of doing, guess what? Abraham was capable of doing. So that drilled in real quick, back from our excursion to the text. Abraham said of of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. So Abimelech, the king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. Remember what happened with Pharaoh in the account of chapter 12 as well? Like, I mean, does her beauty blind him from proper security? protocol? Like, I mean, is he lost all precaution to this matter? I mean, you're a king. You should get involved a bit more. <laughs> like, where are you? Where are your investigators here to investigate the situation between this man named Abraham and his supposed sister named Sarah? I mean, before you allow yourself to marry the woman or to have her now part of your harem, <laughs> wouldn't it be wise to kind of know the history of this man and this woman and where they come from? Who are they truly? Like, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> okay. No, she's beautiful. She must be uh, genuine. She, they, they aren't lying to me. Why? She's beautiful and I want her. Oh, okay. So we move on with the text, and uh, she took yeah, he this king uh, Abimelech took Sarah, uh, and that's the deal. So in verse three, God came to Abimelech. Well, well, well. <laughs> Again, read chapter twelve, and what happened over there uh, with Abram, Sarah, and the king, and now come over here in verse in chapter twenty and read the account. And it's like, you could shake your head and be like, why do you do that? Why have this, <laughs> why has this happened again? Like the first time this came around, the consequences, man, we still live the consequences today in our current generation, in our current era. We are currently living the consequences of what Abraham did in chapter 12. And yet here he is again in chapter 20. Let's just repeat the whole thing. Let's see if we can make it worse. Ah, frustrating. Oh, well, well, no, 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 no. Let's not get too carried away here. Look at how many times we fall into the same temptation and do the same thing, even though the consequences are uh, uh, severe. What do we do? We do the same thing, right? <laughs> I know, I know it. It's the you know, it's, it's the drunk that falls off the wagon. It's like, but every time, why can't I get rid of this? Why do I keep doing the same thing? You know, we can we can apply to why do you fornicate? Thought the last time was the I thought you learned from the last time with the consequences and what happened there. What you're gonna fornicate again? You're gonna practice adultery again? You're gonna lie again? You're gonna thieve again? You're gonna murder again? You what what, what we're you're gonna get drunk again? We're gonna do drugs again? Like we're gonna keep doing this thing? When are we gonna learn? Like there's consequences every time. Oh, I say that quite transparently, looking in the mirror as I would expect all of you to do so, since we are all here on the same plateau, all created in the image of God, humankind, human beings who choose out of free will to do the same mistake over and over again. And I call it a mistake. Well, let's not. Let's be real. It's a sin. It's lawlessness. It has eternal consequences as much as it has here on the physical consequences. Okay. <laughs> I mean, we got a. It's just look at it. We're reading a book of witnessed accounts of things that have truly taken place. And it is a witness testimony to humanity's rebellion and humanity's uh, ways to go against God and practice things that are not wise, sinful things at times. Like, I mean, thousands of years have passed between this account and the age you and I currently live in. And yet still today, we have believers men of God, who are getting in trouble with the secretary. (laughs) 
And I, I'm chuckling, but please know, none of this is humorous. It's just, it's interesting how we tend to do that. And why do we do that? It's not like if we, we, well, I had no choice. I was born that way. No, don't buy into that one. That's a lie. That's a lie. No, we chose to do that. We chose to go with a woman that wasn't ours or a man that wasn't ours. We chose to go and lie and, or thieve or steal from this or that or betray or do this or that. I mean, I mean, you, you list the laundry list of sinful things that we do. Um, why do we do them? They've been doing it for thousands of years. Even a believer, even a Christian of his, his or her free will will choose to sin. Why? Well, we need to learn. <laughs> the book here was written with these accounts so that we'd learn from them and be like, I don't need to do those things. I don't need to sin. I don't need to practice those things. You know, you have two kinds of individuals. The individual who can read the wisdom and the accounts of this book and say to himself or herself, I'm not going to practice these sinful things. And such is a wise decision. And then you have some of us who are just like, I read it, I understand it, I know what it says, but I'm going to sin. And you go ahead and sin, and guess what? The consequences you read in this book of those who have sinned, it happens to you and I, because we choose to do the same thing. Okay, bit of an excursion there to the point. We keep reading. So God came to Abimelech, the king, in a dream uh, of the night. And he said, so here's God speaking to this king. Behold, he says, you are a dead man. What? Yeah, you're a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is married. If, in case we were wondering where God stood on all of this here. Well, there you have it. I mean, it's not the only verse, but there are many verses like this. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We need to have an open mind to the pers- to, 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 to God's nature and what he thinks of the whole situation. Look, look, look. You're a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is married. Well, can't we just all live in a polygamous utopia? I mean, can't we just all live in this, you know, oasis of many wives? <laughs> no, that's, ne- that's not been God's design from the very beginning. Now, if you fast forward thousands of years later in the witnessed and recorded account of Jesus being challenged by the religious leaders of his day through the Gospel of Matthew chapter 19, of course, these religious leaders and their various schools of thought wanted to know which one Jesus would side with, Jesus said, I don't side with any of you. I don't side with any of you. I side with God, my father, from the very beginning, who said, male, female, husband, wife, one, together, becoming. And so God's mind revealed through the penmanship of the Holy Spirit here also, if we're paying attention, of course, if we are honest, sincere, transparent, genuine students of the scriptures, searching the truth, well, look at God's mind. Look at what he says to this king. Behold, you are a dead man. It's serious business. That has that's a that's a pretty heavy-handed consequence. Heavy-handed? No, just capital punishment. Capital punishment here is a just sentence. Judgment to the situation. Hey, listen. That woman belongs to one man. Well, wait a minute. Abraham had two wives. Yeah, but was that God's design? No. That's when they once again, as human beings, chose to do something that God had not authorized because they thought they had to expedite the whole let's have a son thing when they should have just been patient, knowing that God was going to take care of them. Oh, here's what that's what when we start saying, let's start thinking. Let's, let's start doing things our way, according to the desires of our flesh. Man, we're going to get in a lot of trouble. Let's just follow what God says. Doesn't make us robots. We have free will, but we should want to follow what God says. We should want to follow what God says. I mean, 
It's important. <laughs> okay? It's important. If we don't, we're going to get caught in a whole bunch of mess. And that, of course, is always what takes place. So God says to Abimelech, behold, you are a dead man. You are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is married. Now, Abimelech had not come near her, okay? They, they, and he said, so he says, to, he says to God, Lord, will you slay a nation even though blameless? Well, let's, let's, let's see what God says here again. Behold, you are a dead man because of the woman who you have taken, for she is married. Okay, you. You have independent accountability. You are currently with a woman you've taken that does not belong to you, and there is a dire consequence, capital punishment, death. And so Abimelech had not come near her, like he had not been intimate with her, is what I could understand here. They had not had uh, uh, sexual relations. So Abimelech, this king, says to uh, uh, God through this dream, right? He says, Lord, will you slay a nation even though blameless? Like, we, what sin have we, like, what, what, what are we guilty of here? Did not, and here's what Abimelech says, did not, did he not himself say to me, she is my sister? Like, why am I the one who's going to die here when Abraham's the one who told me that she was his sister, which would make her available for being taken? Like, what's the boundary? That How would I know this? Like, how am I supposed to know these things? And she herself said, here, he is my brother. So not only did he say she's my sister, she herself said he's my brother. And I'm the one that's going to die? In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. Like, you want me to die? Like, this is the sentence because of the sin. But I didn't know I was sinning. Like, he told me she was his sister, and she told me he was his brother, and man, I did, what, if, what fault do I have? In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands. So I kept my integrity within my mind. Okay? I did things the decent way. And in my actions were found innocence because I didn't... Like a child, right? Like a child. Well, I didn't know. You didn't know? Well, then God said to, the, uh, to him in the, in the dream, verse 6 here, Yes, I know that in the integrity of your heart you have done this, and I, I, and I also kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. So the reason you did not become uh, sexually involved with Sarah is because I prevented it from happening. Could be providentially so, obviously. Providentially so, perhaps. But it's interesting. I'm thinking while we're reading this, okay? There's a, there's a severe consequence to what's taken place here with a man who has a woman who does not belong to, her, to him because she's wed to another. But he didn't know that. He just went with what they told him. Now, do you see, do you see the cavity here in the palate? <laughs> you see the cavity taking place? This is a king. He should be, of course, of an accountable age. And he is independent to this situation. And he should be wise to have made inquiry. Again, going back to similar thoughts and perspectives that we looked into regarding the account of chapter 12 of Genesis and the Egyptian pharaoh. Like, can we really truly have a blame towards God? It's, it's, what, I'm, it's not my fault. I believed what they said in, in, in the integrity and in innocence. 
I mean, this is given to us on a platter here as a practical application. Just because someone says something to us doesn't mean we should blindly trust in what they say. Even though through the integrity of our heart and innocence of our hands. This applies in many ways. It could apply politically in the realm of politics and policies, okay? Our, our governing powers. This could apply among each other as Christians, preachers and elders and members. This applies across the, the globe in a very practical way. Just because we have the integrity of heart and innocent of, innocence of hands isn't going to remove us from the consequence that lay ahead if we don't change, if we don't uh, learn to uh, take hold and responsibility of our independence, of our accountability. And King Abimelech should have done that. He should have not blindly just believed these two. Maybe he should have made a bit more investigation, have his team on this, you know, <laughs> have his team look into this and be like, hey, boss, yeah, well, I was able to find out these two were in Egypt here and uh, the same thing took place there and look what happened. You know, something along those lines or a bit more time to learn what was taking place. Sometimes we were so quick to believe something. And again, it's tricky when, there's, when it's sprinkled with a bit of truth. Is Sarah... Abraham's sister? Well, there's a sprinkling of truth, isn't there? Right? Okay. So you see how that can be deceiving? And not all deception is unrighteous. There is indeed some deception that is permissible. And we that 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 takes case per case scenario, of course, in the scriptures. But a deception that is intended to uh produce uh, sinful activity and sinful consequences is not something that should be practiced. And King Abimelech should have been wise to discern the situation and take more time with it uh, so as to be uh, uh, um, so as to be secure in the uh, in what was going to happen uh, with the account with uh, Sarah and Abraham, uh, Sarah and Abraham. but he wasn't. And so now it's, well, I was innocent, and I had integrity, and I didn't do anything wrong. Well, God says, number one, you're not to have a woman that belongs to another man, so that's God's mind. And here you are, taking a woman that don't belong to you. But you see that, <laughs> he's like, but there's a lot for us to learn here. Then God said to him in the dream, yes, I know that in the integrity of your heart, you have done this, <clears throat> and I also kept you from sinning against me, therefore I did not let you touch her, because I knew you were doing this uh, with the integrity of your heart, my providential path has made sure that you did not uh, become or sexually involved with this woman who doesn't belong to you. Now therefore, it says, restore the man's wife. You need to repent. I'm telling you what you need to do. I've told you what the problem was and what the consequence to the problem was. The sin is you took a woman that don't belong to you. She's married. And the consequence of that is death. And he's like, but I didn't know. Yeah, but you should have, you should have, uh, uh, you were called upon your independent accountability to make sure to know. Just because someone says something to you and it's sprinkled with a little bit of truth in there doesn't mean that you should wholeheartedly swallow that or be devoured by it. You know, there are a great many who portray themselves in such a way who will devour you. They'll sprinkle a bit of truth in there and we'll think, we'll think them to be uh, uh, wonderful, uh, upstanding gospel preachers. No, they're manipulative. And they're twisting things in a way to get you out of your sincerity, out of your innocence, out of the integrity of your heart to believe the, uh, that manipulation. And the next thing you know, you're following a tyrant, a cult leader. And don't get it twisted. There are cult leaders who have crept into uh, our Lord's churches and corrupted it and removed the light from those congregations, no longer now belonging to Jesus. 
There is also the perspective, of course, of uh, getting involved with women, men and women. But I love her, and she's so kind. Yeah, but she belongs to another man. Or you are not married. <laughs> like, you all are having sexual activity, fornication, and you're not married. That You're going to get in trouble. That's what, there's consequences to that. Okay, so all of that, we continue now in verse 7. Now, there, now therefore, because of these things, right? Restore the man's wife. There's an action that needs to take place. Even though through the integrity of your heart and the innocence of your hands. And that again, friends say, well, I... I said, we're not going to be able to appear before God and say, well, I just didn't know. I was innocent with what they told me. That's why I was part of this religious belief or this religious tradition, which had nothing, which masqueraded itself as Christianity, but truly was not Christianity at all. Denominationalism, right? Look at the millions of people who uh, are submissive to denominational ways. Denominationalism has nothing to do with Christ, though it calls itself Christendom. It has nothing to do with Christ. Well, I was in it. You believe the Pope, the priest, the reverends, the pastors, the preachers, mom and dad, your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends. You trusted in people who sprinkled perhaps a bit of truth in there and may have done so ignorantly when you should have for yourself independently looked into the scriptures and studied the scriptures for yourself so that you would have an independent faith. Because you can't meet God in good terms if you do not have an independent faith. Don't take Abraham and Sarah's word for it. You need to go looking. You need to do a bit of research. Are they truly brother and sister, or are they husband and wife? Well, they told me they were brother and sister. Yeah, but you should have looked into it a bit deeper. Man, I'm trying to make you think. Okay, so therefore, he says, restore the man's wife. What, you mean I can't keep her? I mean... It was through the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, and I didn't know what was going on. I can't keep her. No. <laughs> no. No, no, no. Just because you're trying to make yourself out to be, uh, to have integrity and innocence, there's a sin that's taking place. Now, because you were not high-handedly participating in this, meaning you, were, you did not uh, uh, go forth to know that they were husband and wife, I was merciful on you, and through my providential path, you did not have sexual intercourse with her. But I'm here to give you a, a way out. You can't remain with this woman. She don't belong to you. Oh man, how many of our brethren today in the church should understand this account? Being married to a husband or to a wife that they don't belong to. They're on their third or fourth marriage, unauthorized marriages. In adulterous living. Yeah, but we love each other and it's innocent and we have the integrity of our... No, no, you don't understand. No, 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 no. Restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet, number one, and he will pray for you and you will live. So the law is you are a dead man. There's no way around this. You are a dead man. Because you're you take you took a you took a woman that don't belong to you. She's married to another. Okay, so you're a dead man. So there needs to be a way out for him. Because that's the law. So here's your hope. Restore the man's wife. Okay. Because the man is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you will live. Now this is how it has to happen. But if you do not restore her, here's the consequence. I'm letting you know what, what you're up against here. Here's what you're up against. Know that you shall surely die. <laughs> Where's the snake, right? Where's the, uh, we, keep, we keep waiting for the snake to appear. Slither in and say, you shall not surely die. <laughs> right? 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 Ah, Adam and Eve? Huh? Come on. God says, you are a dead man. The day you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. The serpent want to come around and say, you shall surely not die. Three-letter word, not, N-O-T, just enough. Yeah, that's all it took. Put a deception in there. You shall surely not die. Well, God's here telling them you will die if you don't do these things. 
you, not only you, but the consequence goes to all of yours. You know, a lot of innocent people can die through the hand of sin. Oh, yeah. Look at, look at today. You and I die through the consequence of sin. And we live in this fallen world through the consequence of what Adam and Eve did in rebellion and disobedience. So you need to restore the man's wife. Okay? That's what needs to take place here. And Abraham, who is a prophet, needs to pray for you so that you'll live. And if you don't do that, not only will you die, but all of yours along with it. So Abimelech, in verse 8, arose early in the morning and called all his servants and told all these things in their hearing. And the men were greatly frightened. Well, it's a fearful thing to be in the judgment of God. Okay? And, and, and Abimelech did not high-handedly take that woman knowing she was a wife. He was indeed innocent in this, or his, his um, thoughts were innocent to it. He thought she was authorized to be his. But that did not exclude him from the sin that took place there anyways. Like, okay, you have yourself a little child. A little child that is not yet independently accountable to God. But this little child throws a rock after a vehicle and it damages the vehicle, okay, unknowingly. Like, let's say I have myself a six-year-old kid and he's outside playing in the yard and he takes a rock and he throws it after the family vehicle. And now there's a dent and a scratch or a hole or whatever in the family vehicle. Well, the little kid's innocent. He didn't know that it was going to cause any problems. He don't know what's happened there. But there's still a consequence. There's still a dent or a scratch or something broken on the vehicle. A rock hit it. So there still needs to be a punishment. There still needs to be law spoken to the child. Say that what you did there is bad. So you're grounded or whatever. I don't know. You know what? You just say no, I suppose. <laughs> Well, there's a consequence here. There's still something happening that needs to be stopped. You can't throw rocks at the cars anymore, okay? You got to bring back that woman to the prophet, Abraham, and that needs to take place. I mean, it's a severe consequence. So Abimelech arose early in the morning and called all his servants and told, and told all these things in their hearing, and the men were greatly frightened. Well, because it was openly done so. All of his knew he had taken this woman. So he couldn't just secretly put her away. It needed to be spoken of publicly. If you were part of a religious body that did not belong to Jesus Christ, if you are part of a denominational entity, well, the public eye, your family, co-workers, neighbors, everyone knows you are part of that denominational uh, uh, church, and you read the scriptures and you come to know through the scriptures that you should not be in that denominational location, that you should convert out of that and become a Christian in the Lord's church, <clears throat> the church that belongs to Jesus. Well, you're going to publicly make that known, along with any sin, along, you know, fornication, adultery, all these things. It is, it's a public thing. A change needs to take place. And so he speaks to his servants and told all these things in their hearing, and the men were greatly frightened. Yeah, the judgment of God is a severe thing. It's a serious thing, and we need to take we need to take that seriously. Yeah. So verse 9. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, What have you done to us? And how have I sinned against you that you have brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin? <laughs> this sounds so familiar, right? Reminiscent of chapter 12 with the Egyptian pharaoh. You have done to me things that ought not be done. Like, what did you do, man? <laughs> he told me you were brother and sister. I didn't know you were husband and wife. Now, Abimelech should have checked into that a bit deeper, shouldn't he? And Abraham and Sarah did not need to utilize such deception because God was going to take care of them and they keep dropping the ball on that faith. It's a lack of faith. It's a weakness. It's a blind spot they have. They should have known that God was going to take care of them. If God told Abraham that 
he was going to have such ancestry and be uh, uh, provided for, what is he, why is he fearing Abimelech more than God? He should have feared God more than Abimelech. And though Abimelech should have done his due diligence to look into this account before taking that woman who was not his, so now you're at the point where he's calling the accountability of Abraham and saying, hey man, what you done that for? Like, what did I do to you that you would have this happen upon us, this great sin that would call for our ext- <laughs> capital punishment, man? Like, what have you done this for? And of course, Abimelech pro- uh, producing the victimhood here worldview with what has happened. And Abimelech said to Abraham, what have you encountered that you have done this thing? Like, what's been your life experience thus far? What have you gone through? What trauma are you so paralyzed from that would have you do such a thing to me? And Abraham said, because I thought. Oh, I thought. Don't we say that quite often? Well, I thought. Well, I thought she loved me. Well, I thought she loved me. That's why we fornicated. Well, now you got a child out of wedlock and she took off with another guy. Well, I thought this, well, I thought my pastor was, well, I thought the priest, well, well, I thought the Pope, well, I thought the reverend, well, I thought mom and dad, well, I thought, well, I felt like, well, I thought I felt, I felt like I thought I, 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 I. We get a lot of problems when we get, we got, we get ourselves in a lot of problems with the eyes. Well, I thought. Surely there is no fear of God in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Yeah, but what did God tell you? Yeah, but what does the Bible say? That's what you thought, but what did the Bible say? What did God tell you? Did God tell you that? No. God said he'd take care of you, and you'd be safe with him. So why did you deviate, compromise your faith in God, to now allow the I thought, fear, captivate you, and derail you from the beaten path. You've gone away from what the Bible said to now what you felt like. Well, I feel like if you would have hurt me. Well, I felt like if, well, I thought, interesting, isn't it? Aren't we all the same? Yeah, we do. We do these things, foolish things, like not trusting in God when we should. Because I thought surely there is no fear of God in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. It's a re- <laughs> You've gone through this already. You've had that model and the consequences of it, Abraham. What drove you to doing this yet another again? <laughs> Besides, he says here, time to justify my actions, right? He goes from I thought to now besides. I'm not all wrong. I mean... She actually is my sister, the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. So it's not really my fault all that much. Whoa, 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 Abraham. I mean, you don't think that's information the king should have known before taking your wife to be with him? Like, I mean, I don't know. This is information you kind of tell him before the fact, not after. (laughs) Not after he's been told he's going to die, he and all of his, because he was unawares having a woman that did not belong to him, but was married to you. It's not my fault. I thought, this is Abraham. This is a prophet. This is a man of God. A human being. A human being who has the free will to make right decisions or wrong decisions, to make decisions that are pleasing to God, that have faith in God, to make decisions that are not pleasing to God, that are unwise and weak in faith, lacking faith. So it came about when God caused me to wander from my father's house. Oh, now it's God's fault, I suppose. (laughs) I thought, (laughs) look at how this goes. Verse 11, I thought, I feel like, right? We hear that all the time today still. Verse 12, it's not my fault. Verse 13, whose fault is it? It's God's fault. (laughs) Really? And it came about when God caused me to wander from my father's house that I said to her, this is the kindness which you will show to me. Everywhere we go, say of me, he is my brother. 
I mean, his conscience was clear. It's not a lie. But yet there's something not quite transparent with it, though, right? In these situations, though this is not okay, quote-unquote, technically a lie in its most precise mechanisms, but don't you think this is information that needed not go through this deceptive path? I mean, God said he was going to take care of you. Do you not have trust in God? Well, it's God's fault. He had me wander off from my father's house, so I had to. Really? Yeah, because I felt, I thought. <laughs> Besides, it's not my fault. I mean, look, she is my she is my sister. It's interesting how the human mind deviates, right? Where's your brother? What do you mean, where's my brother? Am I my brother's keeper? It's not my fault. Really? Really? Are we going to hide from God? No. So Abimelech then took sheep and oxen and male and female servants and gave them to Abraham. Hey, listen, I just need to get rid of this problem. I don't want to die. Okay? I don't want to die, so here you go. Have a whole bunch of stuff. And Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before you. Settle wherever you please. Have as you wish, have as you may. Just... Leave me alone. <laughs> so to Sarah, he said, Behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. Behold, it is your vindication before all who are with you and before all men you are cleared. Okay? So you've been uh, washed clean from the sin and you are no longer held accountable for it. It's been paid for. It's done. You've been redeemed. The debt has been paid. All right, just go. I've given you all this stuff. So Abraham prayed to God. And God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maids so that they bore children. Hey, there were some consequences involved with all of this. It didn't matter. Look, look, at, look, at, look at how the consequence of sin still remained, even after all these attempts from the king to try to prove himself innocent. Even with Abraham trying to say that, well, you know, trying to justify what he did and trying to say he, he ran with his thoughts and it's God's fault or all of this did not change the fact that sin needed a lawful consequence because it was a lawless activity. A lawless activity demands a lawful consequence. For the Lord had closed fast all the wombs of the household of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Isn't that something? That's quite the account. I find it quite fascinating, to be honest with you. Quite fascinating. Quite fascinating. Well, I think that'll pretty much wrap up this session and uh, the things that we've seen in there. Obviously, we have a lot to learn along those lines for ourselves as well. I mean, when we come to these moments in our lives with anything and everything, it could be sinful practices. Again, fornication, adultery, homosexuality, uh, uh, um, drunkenness, uh, drug abuse, uh, thievery, lying, uh, cowardice, gossip, you name it, all of the sins. We should not participate in that and trying to justify ourselves with it. Nor should we if we are found within false religious views, denominationalism. If we are found in denominational organizations masquerading themselves as Christendom, yet none belonging to Christ, we need to recognize that we are not going to be justified, even though we say, well, we were innocent, we just, we just fought, we believe the preacher up front there, the pastor or the reverend or the priest or the this or that mom and dad. Or, like there, it... There is no justification if we are caught in sinful things. Okay? There's no justification. At the end of the day, lawlessness is going to have a lawful consequence and judgment. And we be wise to do as God commanded Abimelech. Restore. You need to change your mind, repent, or there will be consequences. You need to restore. You need to change. And there must be an active 
production to that change. There must be what John the Immerser would say, fruits of repentance. You must now produce something that is good and right. If you are participating in fornication, you need to change your mind about that. It is lawlessness. It is a sin. And you need to change your mind about that and stop fornicating. If you are uh, in the church as a self-righteous hypocrite, a high-handed tyrant and bully, you need to change your mind about that and stop being that or there will be an eternal consequence. If you are in a religious thought or position or belief and church that does not belong to Jesus, you need to repent of that. You need to change that. You need to go away from that. There must be a restoration of the mind, a renewal towards Christ, and it must be done or death will be the consequence. You can't be with another man's wife. It doesn't matter how much you love her. And then you can see how this applies to a great many other fields of conversation. From both parties, accountability, they were trying to remove themselves from. King Abimelech was trying to remove himself from the accountability he had with what he was doing. And so did Abraham. <laughs> well, I thought. And besides, she is my sister. And it's God's fault anyways. He had me leave my, father, my, my father's house, and so I had to come up with something. You see how we do that? We shouldn't do that. We shouldn't do that. We should just be transparent and true with it. Be like, King Abimelech should have been, yeah, you know, you're right. Wow, I messed up. I should have looked into this a bit deeper. And Abraham should have told him from the get-go, listen, we are husband and wife. She is sister, but through my father, not my mother, or things of that, you know, to explain that a bit more. I mean, it's something he should have, <laughs> he should have said. So anyways... There's a lot there. I mean, we could go on and on, I think, with it. There's a lot there of information uh, that uh, is quite revealing. It's quite interesting, in my opinion. And uh, hopefully it has spiritual benefit to your life and uh, the information uh, we shared there. But anyways, um, by all means, give us a rumble. Follow, subscribe to the channel. Uh, share far and wide. Give comments, all that kind of good stuff. All right, it helps us. Uh, it helps the Added Souls Ministry grow and reach others who might, like you and I, find great interesting things uh, in these studies. Uh, the itinerary is there in the show notes uh, to each day and its theme from Monday to Friday. So by all means, you might find a day in there you'd like to, to view the podcast. Um, what else? Yeah, go to addedsouls.locals.com. Sign up. It's free to do so. You can freely sign up at addedsouls.locals.com. And from there, you can choose to support. Any amount is a good amount. It helps the Added Souls Ministry continue to do what it does. And it is through the Maya family. And uh, we are currently, of course, ministering with the East Coast Church of Christ in Moncton, New Brunswick, Canada. You can check that website out or that Facebook page. That okay? That good? Stay focused. Stay positive. Lord willing, we shall certainly meet again next time around. God bless.